0: Jim Henson, creator of The Muppets. And George Lucas, creator of Star Wars. Take you on a dazzling adventure. (laughs) There's nothing to be afraid of.
1: Turn back, Sarah, before it's too late. She must be stopped.
0: Labyrinth. Lady PG. Starts Friday at a specially selected theater near you. So, what's the problem in which we rewatch movies for youth to determine if they're problematic by today's standards? I'm Jimmy and I'm Jen. Today, we'll be discussing Labyrinth, which was
1: released in the US on June 27th, 1986.
0: (laughs) Oh my god, okay, let me try that again. The the shock Um. of that just made you cough, (laughs) (laughs) Jen. Oh my god.
1: And I'm Jen. Today we'll be discussing Labyrinth, which was released in the U.S. on June 27, 1986, and in the U.K. on December 2nd, 1986. It was written by Terry Jones and directed by Jim Henson. It stars David Bowie, Jennifer Connelly, Shell Thompson, Christopher Malcolm, Toby Froud, and Brian Henson.
0: Yeah, I, I only included one voice actor in there, but, you know, it's a long list. Yeah, so what's going to happen is this, Jen and I have what, three problems this movie has. Three each and a positive. We'll have a little discussion about it. And the synopsis is thus. Teenager Sarah tries to find her baby brother, Toby, after she angrily wishes him away. The goblin king, Jareth, promises uh, Toby's return if Sarah can solve his labyrinth in less than 13 hours. So... Yeah, it only said The Goblin, jar. It doesn't say The Goblin King. It does not give him his title. That's, shame on you, Google. <laughs> right, Jen, you have zero history with this movie. Is that correct?
1: <laughs> yeah, my only history with it is that everyone gets annoyed that I haven't seen it. Um, yeah. Apparently, my childhood was worse because I didn't see it. And it's hilarious because I hadn't even heard of it till I was a full-grown adult. Yeah, I never once heard of this movie in my childhood. Which, like, people give me shit about not having heard about things like this and Goonies, and it's like, maybe it was everyone else's fault for not bringing it up to me. Like, if no one mentioned <laughs> these movies to me, how was I supposed to know about them?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't get that. I don't understand it, because you had your things, you know? You had things that you mm-hmm. liked when you were a kid. It doesn't, it, we, we can't all like or watch or even know about the exact same things. It's okay, I forgive you, Jen. (laughs) Thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's bullshit. People giving you crap for not seeing stuff like this. There's plenty of films I haven't seen. I'd never heard of this or Dark Crystal until I was a full-grown adult. Yeah. Probably in my 20s. First time I watched this was on VHS in 1987. Uh, I saw it because I was a Jim Henson fan, loved the Muppets. Uh, I wasn't a fan of David Bowie back then because I didn't know who he was. <laughs> I was ten years old. Then I recorded it off TV. It's premiere on BBC One on uh, Christmas Eve, nineteen eighty nine. So I recorded it, and despite it being rated U in the UK, which means it's suitable for all. It's like suitable for a family audience, or even kids can watch it themselves. Oh, and the BBC, in all its wisdom, actually cut out the word "crap" from it in this very first mm. showing. Which is weird. The word "crap." Yeah, I've watched this movie a lot, so I'm gonna have to ask Jen, what did you think of it? It's okay. Yeah, I didn't hate it. Yeah, so I can ask for. I expected to because
1: I the way people talk about this is the same way they would talk to me about the Goonies. Not that I hated Goonies, no. but like I didn't necessarily like it. Yeah. Um. And when a movie is like that, it seems to take forever when you're watching it but this one actually went relatively quickly so i must have been into it yeah what's annoying to me is that on the internet according to the internet the star of the movie is uh david bowie's bulge (laughs) and that's something i maybe wouldn't have even noticed Mm -hmm. but because i've seen so many memes and stuff about it it was very distracting and that was annoying. <laughs> but I liked the movie itself and I liked seeing Jennifer Connolly because I know that the guy who wrote Heathers really wanted her to be Veronica. Like, he mm-hmm. fought for her to be Veronica. I couldn't imagine it because mm-hmm. I've mostly seen Jennifer Connolly in like more recent
0: stuff. I was trying, it was easier for me to try to imagine her in Heathers <laughs> because of this. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, people seem to forget that Jennifer Connelly is a child actress. Well, she was a child actress. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's. Yeah, she was 15, I think, when she made this movie. 14. 14, yeah. And she's playing a 16 year old. <laughs> I think was supposed to be 16. Um, but she was 14, so. Yeah. Anyway. Let's just get into our problems. And my very first problem is something I wouldn't have thought of a problem as a problem until fairly recently, and that is the Mandela Effect. Okay. Jen, could you explain what the Mandela Effect is, please, if you don't mind?
1: It's basically that there'll be something you think was always there and it wasn't there, but it's something that we all think was there. Mm -hmm. Like, um, the big one I always think of is the um, spelling of the Bernstein Bears Mm -hmm. books uh, that I forget exactly which one we remember it being and which one uh, the actual spelling is, but the spelling of the name, everyone remembers it the same, and we're all wrong. It is
0: Stain, but people remember it as Steen, I think. I think
1: so, yeah. Yeah. It's at this point I'm so confused. (laughs) Uh, I don't even know. But um I forget
0: exactly what the thing was with Nelson Mandela, like Yeah, people people think that he died in prison. It was like this collective hmm. memory that he died in prison, but he was actually released from prison and became president of South Africa um and lived a long life after prison. But there's some people that would swear blind that he died in prison. <laughs> Mm-hmm. that's why it's called the Mandela effect it's very weird but I don't usually fall for that sort of thing but this movie yeah. got me good <laughs> what happened well during the song Magic Dance um, where Bowie's singing and he's throwing the kid up in the air and stuff like that the lyrics is um, slap that baby make him free but for years Years Jen, I I thought it was slap that baby, make him pee. <laughs> I was not alone in that. <laughs> there's a lot of people that used to think that thought that the what lyrics were make him pee. But it's free make him free. So there you go. Mandela effect. Don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean slapping babies isn't good anyway, you know, but
1: <laughs> Well, and there's this whole thing where like people think uh, with the Mandela effect, that it's like a different timeline, that that's how things are mm. in a different timeline and that we're all remembering this like alternate universe. And Dylan thinks that's, uh, stupid. And I'm like, well, it is weird that we all, that like so many people will remember the exact same thing and be so shocked to hear the truth. Yeah. It's like, out of everything, like, why do we all see the spelling of Bernstein Bears? The well, same it
0: I don't know, you see, I get that, but that's just that's just a testament to how the human brain works, I think it's like because there's so many people it happens to that's why it's given a name because you know it's something that happens to a lot of people, uh, but yeah, I'm with Dylan, I think it's bullshit, mm-hmm. uh I just think it's just our brains are weird. I think the other thing is more interesting, so I'm gonna go with that. The other thing is pretty cool that there's different <laughs> universes. The multiverse idea I do like, but I don't think it's true. But I do enjoy it. I do I do wish it was true. <laughs> um so what is your first problem? Okay, this is gonna seem small,
1: but it drove me crazy. Okay. So when we see her bedroom it's, like, panning across the room, and there's a point where it shows her books, mm-hmm. and she's got, like, fantasy books, like Wizard of Oz, and the books are facing different ways. Like, the first couple books, the, you don't see the spine of the books, Yeah, but then the next few, you do see the spine of the books, and that fucking drives me crazy. <laughs> like, always have the books facing the same way. I can't even... I can't handle it, and it's... My kid, he just put all of his books on the shelf and series aren't together and things aren't in order. That kind of shit bugs me. Um, I have a friend who I go to his house and there's no order to his books whatsoever. And it drives me crazy because he worked at Borders for like 10 years or something. So <laughs> how he could work, have worked in a bookstore and not have his books in order. I don't know. But the idea of having your books facing different ways while they're right next to each other, like I, I kept thinking, about it even after the camera had panned away.
0: Well, that um, that problem is very you, Jen, and <laughs> and I appreciate that. I never noticed. <laughs> um, I like to put my Blu-rays and stuff in order. I do do it, but um, I put them in different... Right now, they're in order of um, like, say, a company, distribution company, so they've all got the same labels at the top or the bottom or whatever. Okay. Um, but then sometimes I will put them in order of like... Um franchise or whatever, but a lot of the a lot of it does like overlap anyway. Like the same company doing releasing the same franchises, so they're all the same anyway. Uh, but yeah,
1: I will say I don't I don't know why it doesn't bug me more with DVDs and stuff because I have a bunch of DVDs in my office and they're in no order whatsoever. <laughs> but they are almost entirely shows that were only on for one to three seasons. Mm-hmm. I, if you could call that a genre. Like, a, like it's the same type of thing next to each other. But my yeah. like books are in order, except for the piles of books in front of the books. But those are books <laughs> to be read. And then they get shelved properly when I've read them.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah, that's a better you problem. And I love it. So, my second problem, and I'm going to go from the start of the movie right up to the end of the movie. Um, okay. Because this thing has bugged me for for decades, since I think the first time, maybe the time I watched it when it was on BBC One, but when Sarah jumps down to save Toby at the end when he's sitting on the the Escher-type stairs and all that, she jumps down and it's clearly a stunt double. It's in slow motion and she jumps down and it's clearly not her. It's clearly a bigger person first I thought it might have been a man, but now that I've got better, like HD and stuff, like that, I can see. It. I think it's just a woman, like an older woman, and it looks snuffing like Jennifer Connelly, and that's bothered me for years. <laughs> so noticeable stunt doubles back again in my problem list.
1: <laughs> well, and you also when he throws the baby in the air, it's like obviously yeah, it's obviously a, a dummy. dummy. Like
0: it is, it is really obvious. Yeah, he's not going to throw a real child.
1: And I don't usually notice those things.
0: You usually do it, but yeah, it was very, very noticeable.
1: I was glad it was noticeable though, because like, don't throw a real child. Like I didn't want to think it was a real child. And the only reason I was like really concerned about it is because um, I had a problem with the fact that the baby was crying so much. And I'm like, what did they do to this baby to get it to cry? (laughs) Like I was kind of horrified. And then I read that the kid was actually having a lot of fun while shooting the scene, and they basically had to wait until he got tired and cranky mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to film the stuff where he's crying, and mm-hmm. that made me feel better, because I was just, like, the idea of so much of what they put child actors through is questionable anyway, but the idea that, like, they're trying to make a baby cry, because it, was, yeah. it wasn't, it was like, usually in movies and stuff, if you hear a baby cry, like, you don't actually see the baby's face that often, but, like... Yeah,
0: you, they put a sound effect over it.
1: Yeah, it was clear this baby was fucking crying, and, like, yeah. it's surrounded by all these puppets, and I was just thinking, like, is this a horrifying experience for this <laughs> baby?
0: Yeah, the the kid's dad, uh, Brian Froud, is, uh, was the concept designer on this, and um, Dark Crystal. He actually does the commentary on, uh, on uh, Blu-ray for Labyrinth, and he says that even though his kid was crying, that... It, 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 He was perfectly happy, and he loved it, and he loved Bowie, even though he peed in Bowie once. Um, And (laughs) it was it was a combination of the kid being cranky, and also when they would start playing the music, they would play music so David Bowie could mind to the music. That also upset him um, Mm -hmm. because it was like loud music, but Mm -hmm. uh, but it wasn't. There was nothing to do with the puppets. I thought it would have been the puppets as well. Because there were some of them that are quite terrifying around about him. you think it was like a horror movie with some of those puppets on about him. But no, he loved it. And he's actually went on to... Uh, Toby Front has actually went on to do... He actually became a puppeteer when he got older. And he was a design supervisor on the Netflix series Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. Oh, that's So, cool. yeah. So he stayed with the Henson Company um, as when he grew up, became an adult, and he yeah, so good for him. He's a cute baby. Yeah, right. So, what is your second
1: problem, dude? Look, I am sympathetic to Sarah. Okay, like <laughs> right. it, I, I am, I'm an only child, and I am sympathetic to kids who have a big age gap with their sibling and end up having to be treated as babysitters all the time. You're waiting. Yeah, yep. I because I think I would have hated that when I was a kid, like I always wanted a sibling and then there was a certain age where I was like, I would not like a sibling now. Yeah. And like with my kid, if I had another kid now, he would probably get stuck babysitting a lot because he's (laughs) 10 years old. And so if I, like if I got pregnant now, he'd be 11 by the time I had a kid. And Mm -hmm. that's just, it's just naturally what happens um, with older kids. And so I feel bad for her and she clearly doesn't like her stepmother. And I feel bad for her with that. But She told that baby she hated him. Yeah. She's like, she goes, because there's a stuffed animal on the floor, and because she has to babysit, she's like, I hate you. And I get resenting the baby. I don't think it's wrong for her to resent the baby, Mm because the baby represents her lack of freedom Mm -hmm. uh, right now.
0: But she said she hated that baby. (laughs) (laughs) It just seems like bad luck to tell a baby you hate them. Yeah, well, the goblins came and took him away, so, you know. Um but yeah Sarah's a drama queen. Mm-hmm. I mean she is actually literally a drama queen. I mean because yeah literally she's yeah. she like a cat's poster on her wall. Yeah, but yeah but she's um the evil stepmom isn't evil because she says to her that she the stepmom even says we don't want we don't want your babysitting to interrupt your life. We don't want mm-hmm. it to do that. She even tells her that. But then Sarah storms away and goes, I hate everything! And then she says she hates the baby. So Mm. Sarah gets what she deserves at the beginning of this movie. She's not a nice person. No. Because her stepmom was actually being really nice. Yeah. She was like, I would love it if you would date. Exactly. You know, I mean, that is a little bit strange to say to someone, but it's like, it's nice to... It, she's actually thinking about Sarah and, like, it'd be great if you had a boyfriend and then you wouldn't have to babysit. You wouldn't be here. Mm. Um, But she also said, the stepmom also says, that they hardly go out. That this is, like, the first time they've been out in a while. So, like, she doesn't even babysit that much. She's just been a total drama queen. Um, And she got what she deserved. Yeah, that is that is a good problem. I actually never thought about that, but she does say I hate you to their
1: baby. Yeah, yeah, and I, I was I was somewhat sympathetic to her up until then because mm. it must really suck to like basically be the live-in babysitter just because you
0: have a younger sibling. Yeah, I moved out as soon as I could, but then I still ended up being the babysitter anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but to say you hate the baby, that nah. was just... I was, it made her very unsympathetic to me.
0: Yeah, so my third problem is the ending because I don't know if it was real or if it was a 16 year old girl's final descent into madness mm-hmm. I'm not sure because she has the t- toys of these creatures these characters that she meets in the lab and she's got them on her on her shelves she has them in her room because she's got mm. a ludo toy and a synonymous toy and stuff like that in her room and then she meets them and then at the end they all come back uh, it's a bit I, 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 I never really liked ending in this movie it seems as though that it, none of it happened and it's all in her head and she's crazy
1: well and one argument for it being in her head is the fact that um when the baby's gone and when the Goblin King shows up and everything she's not surprised like yeah. there, it it bothered me that there's no point where she's like, "Oh my God, you're real! Like what's mm-hmm. going on?" Like she she just accepts everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, if it wasn't in her head, wouldn't she be freaking out?
0: Yeah, exactly. But also the the parents leave very very quickly, mm-hmm. like very quickly, because the dad puts Toby in his in his uh, car in his crib, and then Sarah just walks from her her room across into Toby's room and the parents are gone already. Mm. So from her leaving her room, that could have been all in her head. She'd never left her room. It's all in her head from there. But, yeah, I don't know. It's always bothered me that I don't know definitively if it is, if it was real or not, because I like to think it is. But maybe, like, if she had a poster of, like, David Bowie or something on her wall, that would, Mm. you know... It would it would actually mean that it, it is all in her head, and she just imagined David Bowie with um, a really big bulge, which actually <laughs> like a few pairs of socks down his front. Apparently, according to Warwick Davis. <laughs> so, so do you think it was real? Do you think it all happened, or
1: you know, I thought it happened until you were talking, and then I and one of my problems was at one point going to be the fact that she wasn't surprised mm-hmm. when she met them because that really bothered me. The fact that there was, like, no shock or anything, mm. and the only thing that makes it okay to me is if it is just in her head. Yeah. If it's not in her head, then there's something deeply wrong with her. Yeah. That she doesn't react to any of this with shock or confusion.
0: Well, if it is in her head, there's also something deeply wrong well, with yeah, her. Well, yeah, I mean, clearly <laughs> there's just something wrong with her.
1: There's just, yeah, unfortunately, there's just, there's, some- there's just something wrong with Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> she's a troubled young lady yeah she says she hates a baby i now i'm choosing to believe that it's in her head (laughs) yeah and i'm disturbed by the fact that like you know before it could have been a dream like she even thought you know it was a dream or whatever Mm -hmm. but then when everybody shows up in a room it's like no she's gone off the deep end and she's not okay Mm -hmm. and her parents should be concerned
0: yeah, because if you if you didn't see toys of the characters in her room then that that would make me think that it was all real. But because she has a toy of Ludo in her room, it's making me think that this is her imagination and this is who she's imagining and talking to. Mm-hmm. Um the ending is very strange that they all just turn back up in her room <laughs> at the end. And they all Because the parents are home. Mm-hmm. And they have being very noisy. All those characters, all those creatures at the end. Yeah. It's 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 a, a sad movie about the mental <laughs> decline of a sixteen year old girl. Anyway. <laughs> what, what is your what is your third You problem? really brought me down, man. <laughs> now I'm just depressed. I, I apologize. Um Jim Henson was also depressed after making this movie because it bombed. And he never directed yeah. another movie after this. That's so sad. I know. What is your short problem?
1: When the door to the Goblin City closes, mm-hmm. um, and that like robot looking thing comes out,
0: mm-hmm.
1: when that door closes, there is plenty of time for them to run through it. Yeah. It was really annoying to me that they just stood there like a bunch of dummies. Like they could have run through <laughs> that door easily with time to spare.
0: Yeah. If it's all in her head, then that's just adding to the drama, isn't it? I guess that's true. <laughs> right. It's it's interesting that none of us have brought up the elephant in the room that Jareth, a grown man, is in love with a 16-year-old girl. Yeah. None of us have brought that up. <laughs> but again, if it's in her head, it doesn't matter. It's her fantasy. That's true. So, hey-ho. <laughs> <laughs> you can just put a lot of these, a lot of the movie's problems to it isn't real. It's all in our head. Yeah, apart from the the Mandela effect thing, because that did bug me for years. So positives. My positive is uh, is the man on my t shirt. <laughs> it's David Bowie. Okay. I'm wearing a David Bowie t shirt today, and it was just a coincidence that I put it on because I forgot I was recording tonight when I put this on this morning. When I went to work, I put this on. Um but yeah. Uh, I just I just think he's sort of charismatic and sort of, see the thing about David Bowie is he's not like the most attractive man in the world. He was never the mm-hmm. most attractive man in the world. But there was something sort of raw about him and something like he had this sort of weird attractiveness about him, um. And and I like the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> he he wrote five songs for this soundtrack. Um, he performs four of them, and the fairies, the little creatures who take their own heads and everything off, they perform the other one, the final one. Uh, not the final song, but the uh. And he he wrote that and actually performed a demo for it. Um and Danny John Jules, who plays Cat in Red Dwarf, is actually the voice of two of the Fieries. Um he worked for Henson quite a lot back in the day. He was also a dancer, he was a choreographer and things, and he was also a dancer in um The Great Muppet Caper, he's in the background dancing in one scene. When David Bowie died, Danny John Jules posted on his YouTube channel uh a demo of David Bowie actually singing that song, Chilly Down. And uh, he posted pictures of himself and everyone else that was there with Bowie and stuff. And it was really quite sweet. Yeah, I love the songs, actually. I actually listened to Underground and uh, Magic Dance on occasion in my my 80s playlists.
1: Magic Dance is a good song, but it just reminds me of someone who annoys me. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) it's
0: a little ruined there for me, personally. What is your positive? Uh, The sets. I really like the sets. It's a it's a it's a beautiful looking movie. It's really well yeah. made and put together and produced. Yeah, definitely is. And like some of the, you can see like Jared's Jared's face on like a rock, mm-hmm. but then the camera pans around and it's like four or five different rocks. And it's just because of the angle when the camera's pointing at it, it looks like one big rock. Mm-hmm. That's bloody good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's it's a it's a well made movie. It really is problem i have with it is the acting like at the beginning by um Mm -hmm. jennifer conley and like her um her dad like that that seems a bit sort of stilted to me now i don't think she's particularly strong at the beginning but then she gets better as she goes i'll agree with that because i wasn't sure if she was supposed to be british or american when she was talking at the beginning uh, because a lot of Jim Henson's stuff was produced in the UK. Uh the Muppet Show was made in the UK because nobody in America would touch it. So it, it got um a contract with uh Sir Lou Grade, who owned um I can't remember, it was A T V at the time? Uh and he said, Come over here and you can make your show and do whatever you want with it. and That's how The Muppet Show came to be. It was filmed entirely in the UK. Uh, And The Great Muppet Caper was filmed in the UK. This was filmed in the UK as well, I think. At least the inside part, like the studio parts were all in the UK. Uh, That's why it uses quite a lot of British voice actors. British actors doing the voices of the puppets. Uh, Like Diana John Jules. It's a great look movie. I love it. I mean, I was watching it and I was like, I haven't seen this movie in about three years and I'm watching it again and I'm like, I really like this movie. <laughs> it's just fun and it's just got great music and Ludo, Ludo is the best. Ludo is just so sweet. Yes. Um, He's just a big softie, Uh and yeah. Uh this movie was released in the second of December, as we said, nineteen eighty six. And on the first of december nineteen eighty six it got its royal premiere in London. And uh Jim Henson was there and they were meeting like all the like the the royals it was uh Diana and Charles that were there at the time because uh, that's what happens usually with like a royal premiere, they pick a big movie that's coming out and then the royals will go and see it and they'll sit up in the royal box and watch it and stuff like that but then at the beginning they'll always meet the the cast so the cast will just come along in a, a row and shake hands and then walk away mm. and at this particular show, Ludo was there <laughs> <laughs> so there was this puppeteer in this big fucking suit, just kind of, sort of talking away to Princess Diana, and you can <laughs> see the video on YouTube. It's quite amusing. Uh, that's 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 my favourite kind of royal premiere because usually they're quite boring. <laughs> and then afterwards, you'll get someone yeah. saying like, "Oh, I got to meet the Queen" or whatever. I got to meet, you know, Prince Charles, blah blah blah. That's my favourite kind when it's like. Jim Henson just brought this guy dressed as a fucking Ludo, whatever Ludo is, and it's amazing. It's awesome. Yeah.
1: You know, I'm thinking about it, and I actually do really like this movie. I think the problem I have with movies like this where people yell at me is that, like, watching it, I'm thinking I don't like it very much, but I realize I like it fine. It's just that the people I know who talk about this movie love it so much and talk mm-hmm. about how amazing it is that it just can't be that for me. It can't live mm. up to that. Like that's a rare thing that that happened. Like that's like a Godfather two type thing. You know what I mean? Like it is rare that people talk about how amazing a movie is, especially if you've been listening to them do it for decades, right? Yeah. Like the longer you've been hearing it, the, the worse it is, the higher are the expectations. And so if you don't absolutely love the movie, you can feel kind of like you don't like it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, but as we're talking about it, I'm realising, no, I actually did like it, and I would yeah. watch it again. It's just that I could never feel about it the way that they felt, and a lot of that is the thing we've talked about, especially with the Goonies, is nostalgia.
0: Yeah, but like, I, I think we talked about this last time uh, when I said we were doing this movie, that I, I don't think, I think nostalgia has a lot to do with this. This, this particular movie, but I do think that like you've said yourself i mean the sets are great and there's a lot of this movie that is actually well made and i do think that that the people who shout about it the most that's nostalgia (laughs) i think that the Mm -hmm. people who crow about it and say oh this is a great movie you should watch it it's the best movie ever blah 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 that's nostalgia yeah but if you just sit and watch it and just appreciate just how well made it is and just like Jim Henson did a lot of good fucking things with... The man was ahead of his time. He really was. Like, the designs of the the puppets and how they're actually done, you would get maybe up to five people operating one puppet at one time. And just the, the, the the way that Jim Henson would work it all out, and it's not just him, obviously, but he did come up with a lot of good... Like, watch the Muppet movie, for example, right? The Muppet movie has Kermit, the very first shot is well, of, of the actual movie is Kermit sitting on a log in the swamp, playing the banjo and singing, right? Mm-hmm. Jim Henson is under the water. <laughs> He's under the water in that log, under that log, puppeteering. You know, and it's like and there's a scene where Kermit is on a bike. Mm-hmm. Kermit's actually riding a bike and you see him riding a bike. And see when you're a kid and you see that for the first time, it's like, wow, not only does he have legs, Mm -hmm. (laughs) he, he also can ride a bike. And then in the second movie, he ups himself and gets all the Muppets to ride bikes in one scene. And it's amazing. And it's just the creativity and just the genius that that man had. And then you've got the creativity and the genius of David Bowie and his music. And it's just, that's why I just love this movie so much. That's why I love it so. Um George Lucas was a producer in this. Uh yeah. So you've got George Lucas and you've got David Bowie and you've got Jim Henson. You know? Yeah. Three people who who are respected in their uh, respective fields. Uh, but yeah. I uh, uh, I really do like this movie. So, and I'm glad you like it too, Jen. I'm actually. I, I mean, did. if you didn't, if you hated it, it would have been fine. I wouldn't have cared <laughs> because it is up to you. I can't. I can't tell you what to like and what not to like. Um, but but I'm glad you did like it.
1: It's the first non Stephen King movie I've watched this year. First non Stephen King movie. Yeah, I mean, it's only the third movie I've watched this year, but what, it's the first. What's the other two? Um, I watched Misery, because I read... Misery was mm. the first book I read in 2024, mm-hmm. and it made me want to watch the movie, which wasn't streaming anywhere.
0: Mm-hmm. You couldn't
1: even rent it. Crazy. Um, you, could, you could buy it digitally for, like, 10 or $15, but I got the DVD for 6 bucks. Like, um Oh, man, it was an old DVD. Like, it was one of those where one side is full frame.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, it, yeah. it was
1: an old-ass DVD. <laughs> and it was still new. Like, I had to open it. Mm -hmm. anyway i watched misery and then we watched the shining the other night we showed it to xander and i hadn't seen it probably since the 90s that was interesting and if we hadn't watched this if i hadn't watched this today the next movie i watched was going to be the shining mini series (laughs) that also wasn't streaming so i had to order it and it was so funny because it was 15 dollars but there was a three pack with it and Salem's Lot for nine dollars, and I'm like, I don't get the
0: pricing of things. This is why physical media is so important. Yeah, because you wanted to watch Misery, it wasn't streaming. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's crazy how like some like really big movies aren't streaming anywhere. Um, but you find that a lot of horror, though. A lot of horror stuff sort of just gets forgotten about.
1: Yeah, someone told me they actually knew it was streaming um, in October, like that really? it was streaming somewhere because of Halloween. But that, yeah, um, it's just I guess after Halloween they were like, no one wants to watch this. <laughs> like I wanted to. I thought I was that. excited to watch it, and and there's this myth like people believe that everything's streaming and it's not, and. Yeah. Not at all. Most of the recent movies we own, Mm -hmm. like movies from the last five or six years, we own because they weren't streaming somewhere. Because it is not only cheaper to buy a DVD or Blu-ray, or it's oftentimes cheaper than to buy it digitally, Mm -hmm. but... um, I don't always trust digital media. I have had websites where I owned movies and then the websites went away and then Mm. you just don't have your stuff anymore. It sucks. Yeah. And then, not that this is super common, but one other thing that's good about physical media is, like, we, you know, obviously, like, if I own something on DVD, but then it's streaming, it's just easier to stream it. Yeah. Like, six or seven years ago, we were watching The Office and uh, there was once or twice where the internet went out and we... Obviously couldn't stream it, but we had the DVDs, so we were able to watch it anyway. And yeah. that's nice. That like if there's ever a
0: problem with the internet, you can still watch your shit. <laughs> yeah, I still buy Blu-rays. I got Blu-rays from a Christmas. And also like distribution is a big factor in certain things because you will find a lot of the Muppet movies on Disney mm-hmm. because Disney bought the Muppets, but they didn't they don't own everything of the Muppets because something like uh, Muppets from Space and Muppets Take Manhattan were both released by Sony, and they were TriStar movies. So you wouldn't find them at Disney+. Plus. Um, so they might not be streaming anywhere. Uh, it might be difficult to find them, because I don't think they're streaming in the UK. You can't see uh, Muppets Take Manhattan in the UK. Actually, now that I think about it, so I watched three movies this year. Mm-hmm.
1: None of them were streaming um unless you wanted to pay for it yeah. because the shining also wasn't streaming anywhere that's, you had to that's insane. rent it so luckily we had the dvds um so we watched we watched the dvd and then this one it wasn't streaming anywhere no and um it's i mean and sometimes you can rent things and it's like four bucks or whatever but like it sucks to pay for like literally every streaming service mm-hmm. and the movie isn't there at all. Yeah. Especially something like The Shining for fuck's sake. Come on. Yeah. That was that was shocking to me that like and not that I mean not that it's as big or important a movie but the fact that like the miniseries wasn't even streaming anywhere. I know yeah. it's I know it was it wasn't as big as it but like you can find it. So it's not like you can't find any Stephen King miniseries anywhere, and yeah. it just you couldn't even buy it digitally.
0: Yeah, it's stuff like um the the Tommyknockers and the Langoliers and stuff like that. They're quite uh-huh. rare to to find on streaming. Yeah. But yeah, right. So before before I I hit my notes. What did uh What did Zander think of The Shining? He
1: liked it. It was it was clear it was a little too slow for him. Yeah. Um. It does take quite a while to get going. It does. And he he was into it, but also every once in a while he would ask how much time was left, and when you he would hear how much time, he'd be like, "Oh, really?" <laughs> so I think it was just he doesn't, but he doesn't like movies that are um more than two hours he has he just has trouble sitting through movies when he watches movies by himself he watches them in parts Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of that is just being in like the youtube generation and everything yeah that's Um, what it is yeah so he's just used to short because like at this point if you're growing up right now and you do watch a lot of movies you should just be used to two and a half hour long movies Mm -hmm. because these days that's pretty standard have a yeah. movie be be over two hours. like when, when I was a kid, you just kind of assumed a movie was going to be an hour and a half or two hours. And these days, it's like two and a half hours. Killers of the Flower Moon was three and a half hours. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not
0: unusual. The right new now. Indiana Jones is like two and a half, and the new um, Mission Impossible was two and a half or two forty or something like that. And it's yeah, Endgame it's, was three hours. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't like watching movies that are that length, but I'm gonna sit and watch Indiana Jones, and I'm gonna sit and watch the new Mission Impossible because I like that those franchises. So I'll 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 endure the length <laughs> um, to just to watch those movies. Uh, but I wanted them in Blu Ray as well for the extras and stuff because you don't get that one mm. streaming mostly. Sometimes you do. Yeah, Disney Plus do put um, Marvel commentaries up for the MCU. For movies. Oh, they do? Yeah, that's awesome. Anyway, I have quick notes, and my first note is: this movie has the first use of a realistic CG animal. Mm-hmm. The the owl at the start is the very first CG animal in any movie. It was well done. It was it was actually really well done for nineteen eighty six, wasn't it? It was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This movie cost twenty five million, and it only made twelve point seven, so it was a bit of a flop. Did you see who was up for the role of Jareth? If they couldn't get David Bowie, who was the first choice?
1: I did. <laughs> Do I you did. remember? <laughs> Mick Jagger was one of them. Yeah. Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. God, what was the other one?
0: There's two more. I know
1: they wanted Sting too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it was like the thing I read listed three and then in another sentence mm.
0: mentioned Sting. Mm. And uh, I, can't remember, I can't remember what the other one was. Prince. 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 Right. Uh, but I think Bowie was the best choice for it. And also, mm. they expanded his role, um, because he was David Bowie, and they got him, and they thought, well, you know what, we'll give him more lines, we'll give him more stuff to do, uh, because we have him. The movie went through 25 different treatments and rewrites, Which is crazy. That's so many. Terry Jones, who's uh, a member of Monty Python, is the accredited screenwriter for this, um, based on a story by Jim Henson. But people like uh, George Lucas um, and Elaine May, who uh, wrote and directed Ishtar, that we talked about a couple of months ago. I already forgot about Ishtar. Yeah, exactly. But they um <laughs> they contributed stuff to to the script. Backing singers on the songs as well. Big stars on there. Shaka Khan, Luther Van Dross. Oh, and uh Whitney Houston's mother, Sissy. She was a backing <laughs> singer on it, so David Bowie can't juggle. So when he's juggling the, 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 the juggling his balls with the one hand, um it's uh, a man who can do it behind him with his, his arm mm-hmm. under his armpit just didn't. I
1: read that and I thought that was interesting because when he was doing it, I was like, is David Bowie really doing that? Like, yeah. is that cause I'm like the odds of it being computers in 1986 are are yeah. pretty slim.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, and then when I read that, I was like that, that was impressive. Cause I couldn't tell.
0: Yeah. No, there was someone else juggling his balls. Um. <laughs> someone else juggling his balls. funny. <laughs> i'm 12 and, yeah i know brian henson uh voiced hoggle brian henson is obviously jim henson's son um and he went on to direct the muppet christmas carol in 1982 after his father passed away and uh cheryl henson was a puppeteer uh for one of the the Fairies. dave goals voices many characters in this including sir didymus but he's best known for being Gonzo for the past fifty years, fifty wow. years, That's <laughs> a long time. Maybe even more than that. Yeah, maybe even more than that. fifty years. Something roughly a long time.
1: Can I read you something I posted the other day? Um, it was a it was a screenshot of a tweet that said, this "Is the 7th year anniversary of the most beautifully written paragraph in the history of the English language?" And the paragraph was, and I don't know where this is from, uh, but this. Someone said, "I hate the Muppets because of the pig girl. She was disgusting. I hate her with my life. She
0: doesn't leave the lizard alone." <laughs> yeah, that's um, yeah, that's a that's a good description of the Muppets. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I love it. I, that yeah. just for some reason that really made me smile.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a that's an apt description of that relationship. <laughs> Just leave that lizard alone, pig girl. Um, Yeah, so that's all my notes. All my notes are done. So next time, in two weeks' time, Jen, it will be your birthday pick. Mm -hmm. And what have you picked? Annie. Annie. And I've never seen it. So, but I have it in DVD. Uh, I borrowed it of my sister. But five years ago, and never gave it back. She doesn't like <laughs> DVDs anyway. She doesn't have uh, physical media anymore. She doesn't like it.
1: Yeah, at one point I bought the DVD, but I never watched it. So I haven't seen it since I was a kid.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Annie from 1982, I think. Yes. It will be obviously to Duh, it's your yeah. birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all we have time for. If you'd like to follow the podcast, go to the website shiftedbench.co.uk. Contact at shiftthebest.co.uk is the email address. Where can people follow you online? Jen?
1: I'm on www.twitter.com <laughs> uh, <laughs> under Pilot Inspectors, uh, which is my old podcast that lately I keep trying to get Dylan to do again and he won't do it. <laughs> and it makes me sad.
0: What about uh, your other podcast? That you start- well, I try to get him to
1: do that too. I'd rather do the Party of Five podcast. Like yeah. I keep trying to get him to do it. He won't do it. And he's like... You don't have time because you're in school. And I'm like, I would fi- if you were willing to do this, I would find the time to yeah. do it. Mm-hmm. And he just has zero
0: interest. Oh, by the way, I like how you keep dead name and X. That's great.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, that is one time where it's okay to dead name. Yeah, never um, dead I refuse to call it X. X. And I've noticed, like, it's been X for a while. And at this point, when that website... When something from the website is cited in an article or something, mm-hmm. they should just be saying X. We all know what they mean. Mm-hmm. But they still, every time I yeah. read an article that quotes it, they say, in parentheses, formerly Twitter. Yeah. Like, it's always mentioned as formerly Twitter. And I love that they're just not, let, no one's letting it go. Yeah. I And once again, I've said it before, still have not updated the app on my phone, so it's still Twitter. <laughs> it's still Twitter on my phone. It's still the little bird. Yeah. I refuse to update it. So thank
0: you all for listening, and we'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye.